I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Plus. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world. They said it couldn't be done, but now it may finally be happening. A viable replacement for PFAS-laden firefighting foam. On today's podcast, we talk about this potential breakthrough in the fight against PFAS contamination and why it might not actually be that big of a breakthrough after all. Hello and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So you could sort of say that PFAS is a victim of its own success. The so-called forever chemicals, named as such because they're so resistant to breaking down in the environment, are really, really good at what they do. And they do a lot of things, but one of the things they do best is putting out fires. The military has been using sprayable foam lace with PFAS to do exactly this since the Vietnam War era, and so have airports and other places that work with highly flammable materials. The problem, of course, is that, as we now know, PFAS chemicals are really bad for your health, and as stated earlier, they're really hard to get rid of. But now we may finally have other firefighting tools that work just as well as PFAS, but aren't PFAS. Bloomberg All reporters Pat Rizzuto and Andrew Wallander just wrote a story about whether this means the military and other entities can start phasing out PFAS foam. And as it turns out, doing that is going to be really, really hard. Here's my conversation with them. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you guys on is you just did a story about, you know, replacements for PFAS in firefighting foam. For the longest time, I was under the impression that it was impossible to replace because it's so effective. Um, but it sounds like that may be changing. What's what's going on with that? Is it possible now to have a, a PFAS replacement that's just as good as PFAS? Well, DOD and the researchers it's funded have been evaluating dozens of products. Some of those products are actually used um, abroad at airports. But the challenge has been that they have more limited uses, where at, you know an airport is mostly dealing with jet fuel. The military needs firefighting tools that can put out something with propane, something with gasoline, something with who knows how many chemicals, something that works with fresh water, something that works with salt water. I mean, the conditions under which the military fights are so much broader than an airport that it, you know, really has, you know, it's taken a lot of hard work to try and find one or perhaps more alternatives. As a layperson, I would think something that can put out jet fuel could probably put out anything, but it sounds like that's not the case at all. You need some specialized stuff. Apparently, I, from people much smarter than I, I'm told they don't, and that some of the, the problems with some of the um, substitutes that have worked abroad is that they don't work for the full range of stuff that can burn, and that's really, really dangerous because it flows like a river as it burns. Yeah, that's frightening. Um, so give me a sense of how quickly the regulations around this are changing. Uh, you guys did a story about, you know, DOD is doing its own thing. The FAA is doing its thing. States are doing their thing. Um, what, uh, wh what's happening here? Who are, is this a coordinated effort or are they all on 
separate parallel tracks? Well, I'm going to start just by saying that it's what's called aqueous film forming right. foam, a, or a triple F, for people who don't want obnoxious names. Um, and that's the type of foam that, until now and still today, uses various forms of PFAS. Right. So we've got at least two dozen states so far uh, that have put out legislation of some kind, uh, past legislation restricting the use of uh, this type of foam in some way. It's been one of the most active uh, areas of, of PFAS enforcement that states have been involved in. And, but it varies widely for how states have been looking at this. So a lot, of the, a lot of those states, they will just restrict the use of that foam in training and testing exercises. Uh, well, some states have gone so far as to ban full use of, of the foam and, or ban manufacturer, manufacturer distribution. There's a lot of exceptions for emergencies as well. So even, even though these states are... are putting the brakes on selling this foam and, and, and buying it, uh, the foam that's still out there, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, fire companies, uh, organizations, airports, that sort of thing, will still be able to use it for the foreseeable future. Well, that's really interesting because I would imagine in a situation where the foam is banned outright, uh, then you can get to the, to the you know, very laborious process of getting rid of it, which we'll get to in a second. But in a situation where it's allowed only in emergencies, you can actually, you know, keep it around. Right. Um, right. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How do you, if you if you keep it around, you have to store it. You have to make sure it doesn't, you know, get out into the environment, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so a lot of fire departments are making a lot more effort to train their, their firefighters and how to actually use this foam and when to use it and trying to be very, uh, use it very sparingly. And I know that the, uh, the government's done that as well, telling you know, airports not to use this foam unless it's absolutely necessary for an emergency and trying to really restrict the, the use of it. Because a, a lot of the contamination and pollution that we've seen from, from PFAS foam has been from these training exercises where they've just been using it uh, way too often um, from what we know now, what the science is telling yeah, us now. A- Andrew just nailed it. It's actually not the use to control the hazardous fires that we're really worried about that's been the problem with the AFFF. It was the, you know, daily training, you know, for years, for decades, that just was pouring it into the environment, um, really since the end of the Vietnam War. Now, you know, in some cases, as you mentioned, it's it's being phased out completely. In some cases, it's being phased out mostly. Um, but one of the things that you wrote about in your story that I is now obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me before I read it, was that it's really hard to get rid of. You can't just throw it away. You can't just take it to a landfill. How do you get rid of aqueous film-forming foam, AFFF, um, you know, safely without causing its own environmental hazards? So it, it seems, and, and Pat, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems there's two main ways that uh, or fire departments are going about disposing of the, of the foam. And the first is through incineration, burning the foam at very high temperatures uh, where it can break apart some of these, these molecules. And then the other is to basically put it in the ground <laughs> uh, to, to bury it and... Um, you mean like deep well deep, underground? Deep well underground, right. Um, so truck it off to some facility that, that has uh, the ability to, to do that. So either burning it or burying it is, is are the two main ways. Mm-hmm. 
Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Just to elaborate on how challenging this waste problem is, um, what makes PFAS really wonderful for products is that they, the chemicals last so long. Now, if you've got um, wires and cables that are coated with the chemicals in your office ceiling, which we probably do to per, you know reduce the chance of fires... That's really great because you want those wires and cables to be resistant to fires for many, many years. But the downside is when you're trying to get it rid of it, it's really stubborn. It likes to hide in the nooks and the crannies of the pipes and the other equipment that, you know, shoot out the foam. So what that means is that as fire departments, oil rigs, Oil refineries, chemical manufacturers, airports, and anybody else who's using it, DOD, they're going to have to clean out aircraft hangars that use the AFFF. They're going to have to clean out lots of fire trucks and other equipment that's had it, and maybe even trucks um, that will have to be gotten rid of. Whole, whole entire trucks? Some. It's entirely possible, according to some of those folks that I spoke to, that it could be more cost-effective to just buy a new truck, wow. even if that's costing in the six digits, than to clean it all out. Or if it's a marginal difference, well, maybe you want a new truck that has some new cool features. Yeah, and one not? of the challenges that folks are facing is when, in January, DOD announces the new requirements for these new foams, then it's going to take a couple of months to certify and say these are the foams that actually work for the military. What if there aren't a lot of those? And the military, with all its vast purchasing power, buys up all the new foams. Right. Well, that's actually what I wanted to, to get into, is that it's one thing for the military to make 
a new rule or new regulation that applies to itself. It's another thing for civilian uh, aviation, for the FAA to make new rules. And then it's an entirely other thing for the states, for 50 different states to have different rules. Are we concerned that there will be not totally 100% compliance here, that some of these airports or other uh, people who use or other firefighting entities might just say, hey, you know, we'd like to replace this AFFF, but we just can't. Sorry, we'll just pay a fine. Airports are, are among the folks who are concerned, you know, well, the military could buy up all the available supply. So then what are we going to do? They're also concerned about, you know, getting enough just to to the general global supply chain problems. And they're also concerned about not having enough experts who know how to clean out the equipment, not having enough equipment to clean out the equipment. There's a real desire for a coordinated national strategy here. Andrew, I want to hear from you because, you know, as we all know, you know, it's one thing to make a rule. It's another thing to ensure compliance with that rule. Do the states have a um, plan for making sure that their new regulations are complied with? Or is it just they're saying phase out PFAS and not really following up? Yeah, so it's, it's been interesting to see a lot of states have actually pushed some of the uh, notification uh part of, of the compliance, at least letting people know that this is these laws are out there, to some of the manufacturers and saying, if you've sold these types of PFAS foams to people, it's your responsibility per the law to actually notify them that the law is changing, they're not going to be able to use it or not going to be able to buy it from you anymore, that which seems is kinda, interesting. It seems kind of clever, actually. Right, right. And then and then there's also a lot of, uh, of carve-outs in these laws. So even though we're seeing a lot of change going on now, some of these carve-outs in the laws, we're going to be seeing PFAS foam sticking around till at least the late 2020s, early 2030s, based on uh, how long some of these windows are for the states. Um, and then one other thing that's interesting to note on the state level, too, is um, Connecticut, they actually came out with uh, a particular foam for people to buy, saying that this is, we've done our research, uh, this foam meets our specifications, our public agencies are going to buy this PFAS-free foam uh, and putting it uh, out there that others oh, can, can I see. buy so- so they didn't just say, you know, phase out PFAS foam. They said phase out PFAS foam by doing this, by buying this other this right. replacement. They said this one's approved okay. for, for state agencies to use, and uh, we've done the research, and there's now alternatives that yeah. meet our needs. Finally, I wanted to get back to something that Pat alluded to earlier, that, you know, PFAS has a lot of uses, you know, for obviously firefighting foam is what we're talking about now, but also... You know, it's it's used throughout the economy in a lot of different ways. But I, it sounds like the one of the main ways that PFAS gets into the environment is through the spraying of this foam. Because when you're spraying the foam, obviously it's going everywhere. It's, you know, meant to get out of the environment. If we actually do succeed in phasing out PFAS in firefighting foam, will that be kind of will we get almost all the way toward solving the PFAS problem? Will that be victory over PFAS day? (laughs) Um, I would not characterize it that way at all. If if the government, federal and state, 
and private sector are successful in finding alternatives to AFFF, that will be a major step forward. They've already taken steps by not using AFFF for training. And the military doesn't use it for training. FAA discourages its use, except in emergencies. Um, fire departments aren't using it for training, I'm told. I mean, they use water. Um, so there have already been some major steps to to reduce its use for the firefighting foam. Um, having alternatives will help mean that no more AFFF, which has PFAS, is being put into the environment. So it'll be a help, but it doesn't do anything about the PFAS that's already out there since, you know, we're talking, especially with um, the older forms of AFFF, we're talking about real, well-known, forever chemicals. Um, and it doesn't stop the other sources of PFAS in the environment. Um, landfills are a major source because of all the products that are coated with the chemicals that then go into landfills, and then over time, the leachate happens. So, you know, does this address a major source? Yes. Does it solve everything? No. And um, a major concern that I heard was, you know, do we know enough about the alternatives? Will they be safe or will there be shortcuts in the rush to get alternatives that there won't be enough testing and we'll have another problem, you know, couple of decades from now. Yeah, because as you know very well, I mean, there's a long history of, you know, industry creating an alternative to a harmful substance, and then that alternative also turns out to be harmful itself. Otherwise known as whack-a-mole. Exactly. What do you think? I mean, do you think, it sounds like based on what Pat is saying, that taking PFAS out of firefighting foam would help make the problem not get worse, or at least not get worse as quickly, but it wouldn't solve the problem at all. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I, I think that it's a, it's a huge step uh, and, and cuts off a major source of some of the PFAS pollution. But like Pat said, a lot of the damage is already done. There's a lot of uh, places in the environment that already have a lot of PFAS contamination in the groundwater from decades and decades of using these foams. And, um, you know, there's there's still going to be PFAS applications in other consumer products. And so there's still going to be a need to manufacture uh, PFAS. And so there's always, you know, potential from contamination from some of those sites that are manufacturing the, the, the PFAS and, uh, and, and landfills and, and, and other sources. All right. Well, that was Andrew Wallander and Pat Rizzuto talking about uh, PFAS. Thank you guys so much. And that's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use the handle at environment, just that, at environment, nothing else. I'm at David B. Schultz if you want to chat with me about anything. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion is produced by myself, David Schultz, with special help from Renee Schuff. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle and is edited by Zach Sherwood and Chuck McCutcheon. Our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have you ever thought to yourself... How is that legal? Why is that legal? Have you ever seen a big trial in the news and wondered, what's really happening there? Have you ever pondered the question, why are lawyers the way that they are? And how much money do they really make anyway? These are the things we live and breathe over at On the Merits, Bloomberg Law's weekly legal news podcast. On the Merits looks into the biggest stories playing out in the legal industry right now. 
and we feature the finest journalists covering the biggest legal stories from across the Bloomberg Law Newsroom. You can hear it wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.